Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. And today, we're going to have another solo episode, uh, chillaxing, relaxing, going over the the goings-on of the Jiu-Jitsu world for the past week. A lot of cool news stories. Uh, You know, we got some interesting belt promotions. We got some exciting matches coming up and past matches, as well as one of the most anticipated MMA bouts in recent memory. We're going to go all over that, what our thoughts are, you know, Gaethje versus Khabib. Uh, But before we do that, we would love to briefly shout out longtime sponsors of the show and absolute studs in the BJJ slash combat sports apparel and gear game. No judges needed. These guys are our one-stop shop for all of our grappling, apparel, and streetwear needs. And especially since it's getting into those colder months, you're going to want to rock some hoodies. You're going to want to rock some of that thicker gear. But if you plan ahead for when it's a little bit warmer out, we also got you hooked up with t-shirts. I myself am rocking one of them, and it is as comfortable as sin. Uh, we got some nice hats, one of which is right over there, but I'm having a good hair day today, so I'm not wearing it. <laughs> and if you think we're forgetting about all of the, the training that's going on now that COVID restrictions are, are lessening across the country, you are mistaken. We got you hooked up with a ton of great rash guards. And uh, for our audio-only listeners, I, I apologize that you are missing out on all of the great designs that are currently flashing across the screen right now. And I would be remiss if we did not shout out the sexiest <laughs> man, the sexiest model oh, in the BJJ game, look Kevin Gallagher modeling yeah. one of their super light geese in white. Just amazing uh, work top down. I was in and such good shape in that picture. Look at me. <laughs> thin and pretty I was. <laughs> my, my fiance sent me a picture, an old picture of me when I had abs, like from like eight months ago. And mm-hmm. it just broke my heart because I'm like, oh, that was so beautiful. <laughs> now, if you're looking at all this high quality gear and this high quality man that's on the screen right now and, and worried over how expensive this stuff must be, uh, you're in luck because the Jiu-Jitsu Times have partnered with no judges needed in order to hook you guys up with a promo code netting you 20% off all purchases. Just type in the code JJT at checkout. It'll be flashing across your screen right now. You'll let them know we sent you. You'll be helping us out. You'll be helping them out. And this is a brand that's really good for the community. You know, these are people that are really interested in giving back and, and helping helping people, you know, just get by. So uh, once again, that is code JJT at checkout to net you 20% off all purchases. Uh, yeah, they're a great brand. I got nothing else to say. I would replace all of my clothes with no judges needed. I pretty much don't wear. <laughs> my, uh, my girlfriend laughs at me all the time when I'm walking around with my fridge. She's like, don't you have any other shirts? I'm like, no judges needed. Um, all right. Yeah. yeah no judges needed. I just right. want to, one more, we're, we're, before we proceed, Kevin, I just want to make sure and say thank you so much for coming back. I always feel so lost when I have to do a solo show. Like, it's so awkward for me <laughs> to do what you do so effortless in the intro. So I appreciate you for that. Thank you very much. Well, I I appreciate you, sir, because <laughs> you are convinced, you are somehow convinced that I add something of value to this operation. <laughs> And I'm not about to tell you you're wrong because uh, I don't know what I'd do here. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, and by the way, man, I got us a crazy AAA guest. You know, it's whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so so let's let's check in. How are you doing, man? Good, man. Uh, started training a little bit harder this week. Uh, last week, more like more more or less, getting in a little more reps in my rounds and training with Dan Martinez and a couple of the other studs around. Try to get my cardio back up again and. Uh, just as I had suspected, it sucks a little bit more every year that goes by <laughs> to go from, hey, let's just chill at the gym and have a good time and roll around a little bit to going out to like hard ADCC roles or hard like, you know, competition minded roles with studs. And it's it's uh, I'm feeling it today. I'm a little bit tired. Today. I had to get my Dunkin Donuts from, our, I guess, our new official unofficial uh, sponsor. <laughs> so go get hey, your Dunkin Donuts. Dunkin, where you at? <laughs> right. 
I'll, take I'll, dro- I'll drop Starbucks in a second if you guys if you guys call me. All I'm right? not a Starbucks guy, man. I like I like lattes. I like their lattes, yeah. but I don't like their coffee. It's a little bit too like ugh, too much. I I'm only a black coffee guy, so really I I'm good anywhere. My mom taught us all to like only enjoy black coffee. It was oh, like wow. you're only gonna enjoy black coffee because if you enjoy it black then you'll enjoy it all the time. You won't need milk. You won't need sugar. You'll just be able to pick up a cup of coffee uh, no matter what. Wow, and it was, something she got, it was something she got from from my grandpa, her dad. That's so hardcore. Thank, thank you, Ed that's, Rice. For- that's a, true, uh, <laughs> that's a true, uh, true coffee connoisseur. I mean, it's, it's more like at this point, it's just fuel. Like I go through about a pot a day. You yeah. know, no matter what I'm doing, oh, especially man. with all the freelance gigs we got going on oh, right now. Shit, dude. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, before we get into the big news, and just because we're sort of doing a uh, uh, a round robin of uh, of things we've been up to, I recently got my ass kicked in one of the hardest jujitsu sessions I've had oh, in my. I know years exactly of what you did. I know exactly what you did, <laughs> and it's I'm a mistake. <laughs> I'm going to bring this up. This uh, this freakazoid here, a friend of the show, uh, Bo- uh, Richie Martinez, the boogeyman himself. I found myself in California for my brother's uh, – my brother Sean just had a bodybuilding show. Uh, I'll link his uh, – I'll, I'll have his Instagram <laughs> up there because he's, uh, he's trying to sell some programs and whatnot. But I was in town and uh, I asked Boogie if he's doing drop-ins and he's like, yeah, man. Just like, come on down. Like, Boogie's no worries. He's so cool. And uh, I'm like thinking, oh, he's, it's just like a normal class. He's like, I enter, everyone's super friendly. And uh, he's like, all right, guys, we're just going to uh, – well, no, it was I was sitting next to this guy, Alex. And he's like – I'm like, so how do these classes usually work? He's like, oh, um, you picked a bad day to come. Oh, and I'm like, yeah. why is that? And he's like, you're going to lose like five pounds of sweat. And I'm like, well, that's – okay, hey, I'm not, I'm not that – new to jujitsu you know like and boogie gets up all right guys we're going hard for an hour straight uh we're just going to be partnered up and it was all ebi overtime like drills for an hour dude and <laughs> i have been i've made that mistake twice because i go to san diego i went out there once to go hang out with my my friend that trains at autos and i hit boogie up to go train with boogie and then i went out there to do something else and i went and trained with boogie after one of his competitions that i was in and every time it always so it was on Tuesday, right? Was it Tuesday that you trained yesterday? Yeah, right. Every time, no, no, no. It was um, it was Monday. Monday. Well, yeah. every time I go out there, I make the mistake of forgetting that the Monday night class is <laughs> the fucking meat grinder of their competition class. And bro, let me tell you, man, like I have been through some hellacious competition team classes, you know, comp trot comp program classes at various academies around the country. And uh, without a doubt, by far, the hardest one I've ever gone to was Boogie's competition class. It is insane, ridiculous, an hour long, and you just go from one to the next to the next to the next, switching from EBI overtime positions to the next guy to the next guy. Yeah. And it is brutal. Dude, by the end of it, both my arms, because I, I, I think maybe the entire time I got out of maybe four armbar positions, <laughs> and they, I think they were from guys that it was their second class or some some crap. Like <laughs> it was these guys were so good at just peeling through my defense and just like wrecking my wrecking everything. Well, they like, get that from Boogie. Boogie, that's one of Boogie's things on that armbar position from. Uh... He does that spider web where he comes over and the yeah. calf slicer, the bicep slicer, and he's just unstoppable. He's- it was he's like he and also he kicked off the round and said like if if some because after after like it was two minutes you go for you attack for a minute and you try to escape for a minute and then you switch partners. He said if in the twenty seconds that you like don't find a partner, someone's standing without a partner, everyone does burpees. Yeah, right. and I'm yeah. like. Holy crap! I thought you were like the nice, chillaxing, like no. cool dude. You're a monster, bro. When you go there too, you believe me. Any any idea you think that Tenth Planet is just kind of like laid back, cool, like stoner freaking academy? Like the vibe is definitely there. They're all cool dudes. It's a big. Oh, it was that was the thing. Is like you work incredibly hard. polite. They work so hard. nice. They work so hard. It, like, dude, I felt like. The fact that I didn't completely beef it amazed me just because by the halfway point, like you start to get into it. Like the first 10 minutes, I was 
I was so scared. But then like after that, you kind of get into it. And it's only after that you it all hits you. And yeah. then all of a sudden you're yeah, so Yeah, when tired. you're done, when you stop and you go out yeah. there, you have like a weird like euphoric kind of uh <laughs> kind of death i just i stumbled you. out and he's like all right everybody take a rest and we'll get some rolls in i stumbled out and i just kind of wandered around like a zombie <laughs> yeah, like, yeah that's definitely that's about how i remember it too yeah no shout out to the freak show 10th planet san diego you guys were killers and i it was i it was the crazy thing is i never felt more welcome at a place i was just showing up to Boogie, boogie's the man boogie really is a cool dude yeah, he's without just question, like, you don't tell Kevin to hit me up, man. <laughs> <laughs> one of the best dudes, one of the best dudes in jujitsu across the board. One hundred percent. Give me a ride home one night until oh, you're not taking an Uber, man. Like him and his wife took me in his car, like across town in San Diego, dropped me back off at my friend's house. Like super cool dudes, man. Really cool, man. All right. Well, let's just uh, before we get into the UFC step breakdown, let's just cover a few of the big stories that have happened in the world of grappling since our last. Excuse me. LaCroix will do that to you. Uh, <laughs> let's go over some interesting promotions that happened uh, since last time. Big news out of Autos. Cade and Ty got uh, promoted to brown belt from purple. <laughs> Incredibly young phenoms under Andre Galvao. Uh, before like, before I, we go further, what, like, how closely have you followed these two? So, it's interestingly enough, when I went out to um... – Atos to train, I guess it was about two and a half years ago now. Uh, my buddy is a black belt, uh, who's a black belt with my, under me, or not under me, with, with under my instructor, Matt Arroyo. He moved to San Diego, ended up training at Atos. So I go out there and train with him at Atos every once in a while. So about two and a half years ago, uh, I saw the, uh, the twins. I think they were blue belts at the time, uh, training and uh, watching them train. I think they were probably like 14. And Gorilla, his name, Anthony, came up to me and was like, those guys are the future. Like, they're the studs. They're the best. Like, they're amazing. I never got to roll with them. But I was like, oh, cool. And in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, I kind of I kind of those kids. And then I was at the ADCC trials, I think, the following year in Jersey, the ones previous. And I watched them, like, tear through the field. I think, uh, I think Ty ended up winning, ended up placing. I don't think he won the trials, but I think he placed. He ended up getting an invite. Um, and it was just amazing to watch them at 15 years old, being able to hang with the highest levels. They're, they're phenoms, absolute complete phenoms. And they're so athletically gifted. They have those long lean arms and it's, 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 it's really fun to watch them go at it. And I, I think the, the, the first time I'd ever heard of them, and this is my bad, just because I, I think I was asleep at the wheel was when I think it was Ty that faced Nikki Ryan. In yeah. that, uh, I think it was maybe Polaris or yeah. some. It was a bit, yeah, it was Polaris, and he just he absolutely dominated. I yeah. thought, and I was yeah. just like, because Nikki, completely uh, appropriately, by the way, is built up as this phenom, this young prodigy, and he absolutely is. But to see a guy in his age range able to like absolutely take it to him. It was so. I, it made me so happy. He beat he beat uh, Wagner Rocha in a uh, in a fight to win match. Like a fifteen year old kid beat Wagner Rocha, probably one of the greatest jujitsu competitors in a, in a straight like winner type mode, competitive mode. Like I don't think there's too many out there that are as good as Wagner. And you know, he beats Wagner Rocha. It's amazing. I mean, Wagner before uh, before Mason, he definitely put up one of the more impressive showings against Craig. Definitely shut like work to shut down a lot of his game made Craig stand, which is something we don't really see him do a lot. Um, and, and to see, but like, I'm just, there's always this, I worry that the next generation isn't going to be as impressive, you know, like there's going to be a dilution, but to see guys like these and, and everybody perform at such a high level, at such a young age, it makes me so happy just because that means we're going to enjoy jujitsu of such an esteemed level for years. What I want to know is, do you think that they're that they're being promoted to brown belt despite their age is appropriate? I mean, this is the way I always say this. This is what I always defer back to when we hear things like that. Um, you know, Andre Andre Gavall gave them their brown belt. 
So am I going to, are you, are you or me going to tell Andre Gaval that he's wrong? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? No. And I, I am only saying that just because whenever young people in this age, like when Nikki or Grace Gundrum, like very famously got promoted to like Brown and black belt, there was a lot of uproar from the more traditional people over their age and like, Hey, there's, this isn't how it works. You need to, they haven't done enough. And it's like, right. They could, if you can walk into a, a random gym and own the black belt that's in charge of that gym. I'm not saying competitors, but just like some cat, like some lower level black belt. I think you should have a black belt. I I agree with you too, and it, it's funny. It's funny that you say that because the more and more I read up on the actual history of jujitsu, as opposed to the perceived understanding of what we know about the history of jujitsu, i.e., I am halfway through. Opening closed guard by Robert Drysdale. You finished the I whole just, thing. Uh, by the way, I just yeah. finished it. And Ama- that will be <laughs> We're amazing. I'm gonna, when I finish reading it, which I'm going to bear through it this weekend yeah. so we can have a we can have him on and, and, and do a breakdown of it. But the point is, is the more I start to read through um, the history of jiu-jitsu and how jiu-jitsu actually formed, the more and more I realize that like people pretty much did what they wanted to do. And like, regardless of whatever perceived notion of time limit and time frames that we did that the IBJJF and before that, I think it was the CBJJF came up with to try to make things into a, an actual perceivable metrics. Like, you know, guys did whatever they wanted to do. Like I know for a fact that the power of jujitsu is a, is an amazing thing. Like I can roll with pretty much anyone in really quickly and easily recognize what belt they are and not have I and mean, even if they might even if they blow through me even if they're super good like i'll be able to tell based upon their timing and their usage of, of techniques and the way they do things if they're a brown belt purple belt black belt um i'm pretty sure that andre gavak can do the same thing um yes the rules are you're supposed to be 18 before you get your purple belt, I think it is, and then you're supposed to be 20 before you get your your black belt or 21 before you get your black belt. I can't really remember exactly what it is. But, again, I ain't telling Andre Gavall he's wrong. If Andre Gavall says they deserve a brown belt, based upon their record, based upon the way they're competing, based upon their accomplishments, who's to say those guys don't deserve a brown belt? You know, if the IBJF wants to give shit about it, if the old school guys want to give shit about it, whatever, fuck them. Well, I think that that leads leads to a good question that I think naturally arises is that – what standards like what are the standards just because there are wrestlers at the bleeding edge of grappling right now like you take the guys that are that are competing for the top spots in the NCAA uh you give them like 2 years of jiu jitsu i guarantee like 2 years of solid jiu jitsu i guarantee they're they're fighting at a black belt level they're, they're competing at a black belt level. Like, look at Nicky Rod. He was a D3 wrestler for one year, and you've give that he's got a, a rudimentary game. Not no disrespect to Nicky Rod, but he was taught. He's yeah. given a few tools. Yeah, I mean, on top his of Jay, his, his coach Jay Rogan, his case smash that Jay, his coach he smash that Jay even says that. Like he, yeah, he like for their competition classes, literally take him down, knee slice pass, take the back. That's the only thing they do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's all but, they and like when you give that kind of alpha competitor that those tools right. and the reps and a, a, an amount of a certain amount of time. I think he was training for eight months when he before he placed gold at the blue belts, like right. at, like IBJJF Worlds. What like why are we bothering with standards then? Like, because he's a like. Would you say he's a black belt? No, you know, no. Like- I, I would say this, and this is where I talk about that, and this is where I think the beauty of jujitsu holds okay. holds strong because this is the cool thing about jujitsu. This is what makes us different than any other martial art. Like, there's you don't there's nothing that I can tell you that will say this is what a black belt needs to do. This is what a brown belt needs to do. This is what a purple belt, what a blue belt needs to do. Because it's not like we take katas. It's not like we take tests yeah. and things like that. And if your instructor's doing that, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm just saying ugh, ugh, that's what I feel about that. Um, <laughs> but that being said, as a black belt, when you when you get to the position and when you're a black belt, jiu-jitsu black belts and competitors and coaches we just kind of know like i can roll with someone and realize wow this guy's a stud he's an amazing athlete um he's passing my guard he's doing things but his jiu-jitsu is really not that great it's a blue belt purple belt ish kind of level with a world-class athlete there's lots of guys in the adc's here right now these jiu-jitsu is starting to attract these next level athletes because they're starting to see an opportunity 
for a big stage to compete on. So whereupon these guys can say, yes, they're competitive. They can hang with next level guys, but they're not really a black belt, brown belt at that level yet. But their athleticism and their tools geared towards, geared towards that. We got a perfect example. And an example of that is this kid right now. Uh, we have this kid who is shit. He's only been training with us for like a year. He's fucking savant. I was just talking about him the other day. I just hit Seth Daniels up and Ryan, Mer Ryan uh, McGuire told him, look, I have the fucking best blue belt I've ever rolled in my life. And I'm not dropping that line just to say it. Like this kid is amazing. He rolls with me and Dan Martinez and it's phenomenal. And when he rolls with us, like it's not me saying he is an X division one you know, wrestler, or, you know, he played college football and he has that athleticism where he's allowed, he uses that athleticism and, and geared himself to a few different things to be able to, to make things happen. He actually has an understanding of jujitsu way past his blue belt, but he's only been training for like a year. You know what I mean? 12 months, 15 months, maybe at the most. So is he a black belt? You know, probably not. Is he on the way to it? Yeah. Could we clef him up? Sure. But it's all at the discretion of the instructors. And in my opinion, you need to you need to earn it. You need to deserve it a little bit more than just saying, okay, we're just going to belt this kid up. If not, what are we really doing this for? Because jiu-jitsu is not about being competitive. Sometimes it's about the journey and sacrificing to get where you need to be. I think that that's a great point because um, I think that's a great way to tell the difference between these this young generation like Grace and, and the Rotolo brothers – and Nikki that are getting their, their belts as opposed to athletic phenoms like Nikki and others that maybe are competing above their belt level, but are not w uh, the belt that like other people would say they should be is that if those kids, they've been training for a decade, a lot of the time, like they've right. been training since very, very young. Like the Rutoas, right. I think they, they said, oh, um, baby. children, right? Yeah. Hang on. They said, uh, it was, yeah. The they had been training for 14 years, right? You know, nonstop, and I think that that warrants the belts. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if I have any right to say anything. I'm I'm a scrub that got into this when I was 19. I I think that when you look at the time they've placed since adolescence, like people write off like the gray and yellow belt and orange belts as if they're like nothing but the bleeding edges of those belt ranks are going to eventually be the blue blue belt champions purple they're going to just run the gamut for years like do you think yeah. that's the difference well i mean it, yeah i mean you look at a guy like william taggett too like taggett's the same scenario he's these guys now and we're starting to see that in this country where you saw it in brazil for years the guys have been you know they bring their children in to train jiu-jitsu and then they learn like when you take a child and you teach them in the time of their life where their brain is designed to absorb information. When you're in your adolescence, when you're in your, 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 your toddler stages and up until, you know, preteen and all of the stuff like that, like your brain is designed to learn as you're growing, your brain is just, that's why you learn to speak so well. That's why you learn languages and, 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 you know, and concepts complicated that as an adult, if we were to try to learn another language, it's way harder, right? When they're learning something as complicated and complex as jiu-jitsu at that age, like you learn it despite yourself. Like you learn it at such an advanced pace that, yeah, when you're started 16 or started freaking five years old and you've already been training for 10 years and you're 17 years old now, like your jiu-jitsu is going to be next level, otherworldly. You have things in your brain that you forgot about that grown men spend, you know, decades trying to learn. I think that's a good, that's a good place to – to end that conversation for now, just because it is such a big debate. Right. And I think that jujitsu, the sample size of jujitsu is so big now that we get to have these, these conversations. Like there's so many people all over the world training. We're starting to see phenomenal talent rise up everywhere. And it's, uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the, how the standards change. Right. Like once the newer people start to take over and the old people are shuffled out and they're like, when you're, when you get your red and yellow, what your red and coral belt or, or your red and white belt, I wonder how the, how the game is going to look. I wonder, still, I wonder if I'll still be alive. That's a long, long time. <laughs> that's, oh. that's one thing that I will, I will not, I will agree to not change. And that's something I think Hickson, but Hickson's Hickson, you know, you get Hickson, Rick Hickson, get what the fuck he gets. He gets, he's, he, he deserves his master's belt. Like when you start getting the point of black belt, you shouldn't change 
the standard of every two years. That's just the way that should stay. Yeah. It's two years for stripe. And then I think after the third stripe, it goes to six years or some shit like that. I agree with that. And like the idea of a coral belt, it's so much more important than just time served. Like you have to have some kind of historical relevance into the game. You don't just get a coral belt for time served. You actually have to contribute something to jujitsu to be able to achieve that. Well, you've aside from contributing the show, like <laughs> maybe, maybe you maybe you rematch Tex and just oh, beat him before. In, in OT. my <laughs> mind, I am worthy of that. Don't get me wrong, of course. In well, my own, in my mind too, but <laughs> thanks, baby. I appreciate that. I appreciate All right, that. let's let's go over some more jujitsu news. And uh, John Blank had an amazing, uh, amazing accomplishment uh, this past weekend or this past week when he. Made, when he captured the bantamweight nogi title fight to win 154 before we go any further why are why don't more people talk about john i like, mean I, think- I, I never see i never see him getting like the shine i feel like i feel like he deserves and may, maybe i'm just crazy you know part of it is he doesn't compete as much um yeah. he's not really out there putting it on the line he just opened up his school his own academy not too long ago one of my friends jared alexander shout out to jared one of my old brown belts from the gym that i train at trains up there with him now in pennsylvania bethlehem i've actually got is it bethlehem i think it is i've trained with him um and in, in his gym in pennsylvania before and john's amazing he's really freaking good like superhuman strong like some kind of like like Thor fits. I remember watching him compete back when he was a purple belt. He was, he was on the same car, the same Sapatero card that I was on. I think he got beat by, uh, by Gordon Ryan or maybe Jesse Ray. I can't remember who beat him, but um, you know, I think the, the main thing is he just doesn't compete enough. And when he did compete, he was on that Kasai, you know, when he lost to like, I think he had a great showing at the Kasai. I think he lost to Craig Jones, and I think he lost a couple of the matches when they did that round robin thing. But Thor is a force to reppin' with. Anyone that can submit Rossmore Pahala, or not Rossmore Pahala, who was Who's it? Uh, the the Russian Bear. What the hell is it? Chis, Chis, Chisnaev. I never, I can never remember his damn name. Uh, uh, I, I forget. Don't. I can't think of his name anyway. Anyone that can uh, that can submit that freaking animal is uh, is worthy of a claim in my book. I think, well, just for, like, when you think of the big names in 10th Planet, you think, you know, obviously Gio and Richie. Right. You think Keith. You might maybe, like, Kyle Bame, obviously. Uh, where does, like, is is, jo- is John's definitely up there, right? Yeah. Like, he plays well, you know, ADCC. The thing about John, too, is, like, he has managed to make himself, to stake himself a claim in the jujitsu world in general outside of the submission only 10th planet niche you know what i'm talking about because when you think of guys like uh boogie and you think of guys like geo and you think of guys like you know nathan orchard and some of the other dudes that oh, are the Nate big orchard. names yeah that are the big names uh, in the submission only 10th planet system um you know they are known as kind of EBI guys, submission only guys. Like you know, they, they, they kind of stick to that circuit, and they haven't really had the same crossover appeal into ADCC and IBJJF type type formats. Thor, because he did so well in the trials, and then he got the invite into the ADCC and showed himself to the to the to the ADC. I believe has made a name for himself outside of being the 10th planet guy, you know, and it's nothing. It's boogie and geo. Cause again, I love those guys. And I think geo is probably the best submission, only pure submission, pure submission grappler on the planet. I say that all the time. Um, well, he just, Thor, he just, he just, he just, he just beat Paolo meow. If I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah. Right. Like, but that Thor has figured out. A, yeah. Thor has, has, has branded himself as outside of that. 10th planet thing. Another one would be, uh, I can never say, I just had his name on my freaking head. Now I can't think of his name. The kid he's Keith, been there, right? Yeah, Keith Kakarian. He's another Korean, one yeah. that has. He's so good. He just got his black so belt, good. too. So good. Yeah. He's, but, but again, I, if you didn't tell me Keith Kakarian was a 10th planet guy, I wouldn't even know it. You know, I didn't realize he was with 10th planet until we had him on the old man grappling hour. I goes, oh shit, you're a 10th planet. You know, he's made himself a name outside of being one of those 10th planet guys, which is something that, that's something special about Thor, too. Yeah, I like, and again, I love Tenth Planet, but I'm such a, I just, I, I love the gi too much. Like that's, it's just, it's, it's too, yeah, it's too big a part of my, my game. I suck at no gi. 
Yeah, and I, I always, it's difficult for me to to rationalize guys that just go with the gi, like turn their nose off. Like I could never do that. I just, I don't understand. I, I love the gi too. Like I don't love it, but I, I don't, I don't love no gi sometimes either. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I just, I don't training in the gi is, is it, there's a spiritual level to it. You're connected to what the roots of real jujitsu comes from when you're training in the gi. And it's just, I don't, understand how people anyone that trains jiu-jitsu could just turn their nose up at the gi like it's some oh i can never do that but it's also like it it it's so it's so useful like some of those gi submissions aren't they so fun like i just i just started getting good at baseball jokes you know <laughs> well, like, and, and when you think about you it in terms of me, right <laughs> right when you think about it in terms of self-defense this is what i always talk about people always say oh well no one wears a gi when you're training in the streets so those gi grips are useless like well dude like no one's naked when you fight them either you know <laughs> like, so like this t-shirt guess what i'll choke the shit out of you with this t-shirt you know like i don't i don't understand how people don't understand the relevance of what the gi represents yeah are we wearing like an old kimono when we're walking around in the streets no we're not we're not in feudal japan but at the same time you know we're still uh we're still wearing clothing that can still act as an apparatus to choke ourselves there he goes oh look at that good timing kev right right back we don't have to edit that one out man you're right right back when i finished my thought we didn't even know you were gone man <laughs> sorry about that. so what's next man? what else we got going on all right, well, I think uh, we got time for one more sort of jiu-jitsu story before we go into the, the mother of all MMA bouts. And I'm, oh, I'm excited. I'm excited, even though I'm sad, just because in my heart of hearts, I'll always want Ferguson, Khabib. Like, we were robbed of that so many times. Yeah. And I'm never I'm never going to be over it. But we, we talked so a lot about – lie now to Ferguson. And he's, yeah, I love the guy, but he ain't going to get he – he won't fight Khabib for a while. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, I feel like, you know, with all the bullshit he's had to put up with, maybe he just deserves, like, no matter how this goes. I don't even care if – I don't Let's even see. care if uh, Habib wins. I just want Habib Ferguson just because, like, right. it'll uh, – he doesn't it doesn't need a belt to be on the line. Like, right. uh, screw it. But uh, I, we, I got the chance to interview uh, uh, a friend of mine, Frederick, who is a uh, publisher of this magazine – uh, called Public Domain. I'm just going to show it off right here. Uh, there it is. And uh, if you, in case you haven't heard of it, it is a jiu-jitsu like, skater magazine full of art that is put out by guys Ooh, like dope, Chris, man. Chris Howder and uh, yeah. a friend of the show Chris Noonan and Heil Teague of Flow Grappling. And it's basically like it's got some really cool stuff, like the, the cover – uh, done by Brett Parson, but also like the incredible uh, Lepre. You know, they got some funny, funny mm -hmm. stuff into. And I was talking with him, and he said one of the one of the basis for why like this type of publication works is that jujitsu is one of those last counterculture sports. You know, it's it's not like it's never going to be like baseball, football, soccer, hockey, but it is exactly like surfing and skateboarding. You know, the, and like extreme sports, like those sort of out there things. And as someone that's been in the game a lot longer than me, I wanted to get your thoughts on like how jujitsu is classified and where it stands in in relation to the other sports. I mean, I've always thought the same way about that. Like I've always – my dream is always to see uh, jiu-jitsu kind of come along the same way as, you know, skateboarding and the X Games have. You know, you start to see – that type of feeling when you talk about real jujitsu guys you talk about that type of mentality between them because the difference between football and baseball and, and and soccer and all those other things like that is that like that is such a mainstream thing that even people that aren't really into soccer can or baseball or football can kind of enjoy watching it like when you're into jujitsu like it's not just watching jujitsu and not just being a part of jujitsu like it's a lifestyle you you're, you're 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 it's become so encompassing in your entirety that it becomes a piece of who you are it like changes your mind in that reality the way you live your your philosophy on on things and um it reminds me very much of that same thing the surfers the uh the the skateboarders where it's like you know if you don't really understand 
Like you just don't understand. Like you can kind of dig it. You can maybe watch a few things, but you're not really going to get it because you don't really know what it's like to be a part of the whole encompassing thing, the lifestyle that is jujitsu. And like, I love this. I love this so much. We had Chris Howder on. We talked about this a little bit. I, this is something that I've always dreamed about to see is this type of uh, type of thing here. I, I think it was when I was talking with him and we hope to have him on the show at some point. Uh, there was this worry in the back of my mind that th- this stuff is only possible because jujitsu is what it is right now. And we all want it to be bigger. We want it to be more successful because we want more money. We want more people to be able to make a living off of it. But I, I'm always afraid that, that when that day comes, we're going to look at it and, and be a little bummed that it's changed so much. Cause I feel like it's going to have to cha- lose a lot of what makes it special yeah. in order to welcome in more people. You know, like you can bullshit, like if you're at a baseball game, you can bullshit and pretend to be a fan that gets what's going on and no one's really going to care. Right. You, you can't really do that with jujitsu or skating or surfing. Like, yeah, I think, I think the thing that changes that mentality is the dilution of it. You talk about It's like, you can't fake jujitsu. There's nothing about jujitsu that you can come in and pretend because you roll. And so we always talk about what separates jujitsu from other things. I think it's the same thing kind of separates these fringe element sports the same way. Like you can't pretend that you're a skateboarder. Like you, because it, the proof is in the pudding. If you get on the board, you bust your ass, you're fucking suck. You know what I mean? Like same thing with jujitsu. Like when you're doing jujitsu, like people that know jujitsu will know very quickly if you're full of shit or not. The proof is in what you have to put in to get it. And that process is what changes you. That journey, what everybody likes to say is what really changes you. What I, I, I find interesting is that, you know, celebrity endorsements are treated so, like such a bigger deal than I think they actually are, especially when it comes to something that's hard like jujitsu. Like I've like a few people I've talked to when like guys like Henry Cavill and Jason Momoa and like, uh, crap, who's a. I mean, Chad, the list goes on and on. Ashley Kutcher. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, Ashley Kutcher. Like right. that. The, 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 the Demi Lovato. Right. Demi Lovato. Like there was this thing that was like, oh, man, people like my parents actually specifically were like, hey, he's like uh, Kelso's doing jujitsu. Like it's going to be huge now. And I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> it's because <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It's not like it's not like buying these. Yeah. yeah. God. When it's, you it's see like, these. Yeah. when you see these like stars doing jujitsu it means that it's becoming trendy enough that people on the outside are are getting into it and i don't care like i'm i love that ashton kusher is making it trendy because you know what once he gets involved with it it's going to suck him in the same way it sucks in everybody else and now when people see ashton kusher do jujitsu they're going to hit me up to do private lessons they're going to hit me up to want to come train because they're like, oh, Asher Kushu's doing this, and then the same thing happens. They get sucked in, and they want to do it more. Yeah, and I think that like products like these, and like Public Domain's also launched a YouTube channel. Definitely go check that out. They're going to be posting sure. a lot, posting a lot more vlogs, and uh, some of them are going to be translated into English. I hope because my French is not that good. Oh, is it in but, French? Is that the thing? Uh, a lot of it is in French, but like uh, a lot of their sales are in America just because jiu-jitsu is king here. Like jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. is, is so massive here. It, it lifts up everybody that's doing jiu-jitsu stuff from around the world, which I think is a really cool thing just because, you know. If, if it's counterculture, <laughs> it's, cool if America, it's counter-culture, it? it's for me, man. I, I've, always, I've always wanted to be – I've always had a fascination with that. Yeah, but like I and I I think but the the, what Frederick actually his solution was it will never be like that. It will never get to that point where there is a dilution of it like that's really noticeable. And his reasoning was when you like dive on a skate like like skateboarding is huge. Tony Hawk video games are huge. Like it was it it ruled the 90s. It it got bigger than jujitsu's ever gotten ever. Not everyone skateboards now, though, because when you when come, push comes to shove and you're about to like start rolling and you, you're looking down the ramp to do a trick, you shit your pants a lot of the time. So the the inherent difficulty and uh, the leap of faith required is right. what's always going to keep people honest about it's it. A good like, comparison. 
Yeah, and he's like, when you go, when you see surfers, it looks cool. But have you ever like gone into a wave? It's terrifying. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you on that board. I tried surfing once. It hit me in the jaw. Like <laughs> it slipped out from under me, and I'm never gonna surf again. Like <laughs> I'm done with that. And so when he said that, it actually kind of chilled me out because I'm like, yeah, no, this is, it's tough. It's so tough. I enjoy. I love it. And sometimes I'm. It's like too tough for me. Like I'm just like I don't want to go today. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's like, I, and I think that that's that's something I needed to hear just because I'm always I'm always afraid of losing what how how the special this is. Yeah, I, I love this idea. I, I I'm gonna start checking these guys out. Oh, definitely. They put out two issues. Uh, we'll include the links down below, and mm-hmm. uh, they also have a. Hang on one second. I'm gonna look it up real quick. Artitude. Also, the uh, the umbrella company is Artitude, which is like it, it's a bunch of art magazines for skating specifically, but public domain is more jujitsu. So like that's the that's the brand. And uh, I although I am not a skater, I'm I'm t- I'm really tempted to get this uh, new deck they have put out oh, called the pretty, Legacy deck. Oh look and at that! That's, that's pretty Aleo, cool. And I think a little. Uh, I'm not sure which of his sons that is. One of them. But like, look at that! Look at that art. That is that so is cool. cool. We'll call it. We'll call it Hickson. <laughs> and then from that vantage point, Hickson Hickson learned the meaning of death. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then he vowed to destroy all of his enemies. <laughs> oh man, but that's cool. Yeah, shit. We love shouting out cool stuff that people in the community are doing. So uh, if you ever, if anyone comes across any cool art or or projects that are going on uh, feel free to message either of us at our at our uh, instagram handles that are listed right next to our names uh, but yeah let's let's just get into it such a massive fight happening mm-hmm. holy crap justin gaethje habib Nurmagomedov. it's gonna i'm pumped man how you feeling <laughs> i mean i'm I'll tell you, it's funny because it kind of snuck up on it. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't. It's weird because I don't remember seeing them do much marketing for it, and I knew it was on the horizon. But I figured like it didn't have the same feel as like a big, the big massive fight that what it is. Like you figure, you know, when when Connor was coming up and every fight that Connor has, they dump all kind of major marketing into it, and people know about it for months and months. I didn't really even know that the fight was this weekend until probably about a week ago, week and a half ago. And then more than that, I didn't realize the fight's at two o'clock. So make sure you're, you're tuned in at two o'clock in the afternoon, because I don't know that too many people are going to be able to remember that. Like I'm, I, I don't know nothing from nothing. I talked to Billy Q about it. Billy Carn Teller today about it. And he was talking about the fact that because Khabib is from Russia and there's drug, they're going to, it's pro that's prime time maybe in the European area. So maybe they're trying to push it to that. Um, I think it's got. I think it's got more to do with the fact that Khabib just doesn't want to fight at six o'clock in the morning, which is when they guys normally have to do if they want to make a prime time in the states. But um, you know, it's an amazing fight, huge fight. I mean, this is could be the biggest test of Khabib's career. Um, I'll tell you what I feel. I feel like everyone's beefing up Justin Gaethje or Gagey, Gagey, because Gagey. <laughs> uh, you know they want to believe um, because of what he did to Ferguson. I mean, I think it's kind of a sucker bet myself, to tell you the truth. I don't think – I think Khabib is special. I don't think anyone's going to be Khabib. I think he's going to – I don't see any reason why he doesn't go out there and do to Gagey the same thing he does to everyone else. Everyone likes to talk about Gagey's wrestling ability, how he's this great wrestler, how he's this and that. Like, Khabib has demolished better wrestlers than Justin Gagey. He's <laughs> done the same thing, enforces will on people. He just sucks – the life out of you and drains your life force away until you submit to his will. And I don't see any reason why he doesn't do the same thing to, to Gagey. Just my opinion on it. You know what I think about maybe once a week? I I think about Habib's last fight, Dustin Poirier, that last that last guillotine attempt. It yeah. looked really good. And I'm it thinking was. I'm thinking if 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 the angles were just a little a little different grips maybe a little different like a nudge here a twist there he he puts he puts a beep out because i truthfully i don't think he would tap to anything i know i don't i i think he would just go out um and then like the whole universe shifts on his axis <laughs> like but, but now like we have this we, we every 
every defeat, every victory for Habib is built in, has built him into this absolute mythical, unbeatable monster. And I, at this point, I really can't, I'm like you, I can't imagine what's going to, like, I, I can't imagine who would beat him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you watch that gauge, you watch that fight with Dustin Poirier when he's in the guillotine. And to be honest with you, like, I see what you're saying about the fact that maybe if Dustin did this, Dustin did that. But don't forget the reason why Dustin couldn't do that was because Khabib was probably putting defended, himself in the right Like, yeah, no, it's, it was not luck. I, I want to no. specify. Yeah, it was not Poirier luck. Poirier was known defended. as being a guillotine guy. He's got a great guillotine. And Habib defended it perfectly. It was yeah. incredible. Like he was never so sure of victory that he was not ready to defend that choke, yeah. especially then, with a, a submission guy like Dustin. And you talk about the fact that Habib's father just passed away, his longtime coach and father just passed away, you know, a few months ago. Um, I can't think of anything that would motivate Khabib more than that. Um, you know. People can say, oh, it could be an distraction. It could be this. Like, I don't think Khabib gets distracted. I think this is his motivating factor to do what his father's plan was was for him from the start, which was to have three or four more fights, uh, fights uh, against uh, GSP, which is what he wants next. He doesn't give a shit about Khabib or uh, Connor anymore. Screw up about Connor. He doesn't care. He wants yeah, to be. No. He wants to be gagey. He wants a super fight with uh, with GSP, and he wants to retire as the greatest uh, MMA fighter of all time, which I think he will. I, yeah, no, not even, like, truthfully, the closest Habib has come to defeat in in years was that guillotine attempt. Yeah, yeah. That was, like, he was never rocked. He was never, like, on the ground defending a hail of barrage, like, of punches. He was all, it's always been cold, efficient domination. Uh, he, I mean, he, I think the only round he's ever lost was to to Connor and I think he kind of took that round off to kind of like get his his wits back together again so he was stronger in the in the in the final two rounds. I think he um, just wanted the opportunity. He's like I want to just beat him up for as long as humanly exactly. possible before I yeah. I nearly break his jaw. Give him a false sense of security so he can just snatch it right back away from him. Khabib's special. Special. Watching that fight against him with Johnson, Michael Johnson I think it was where he's just beating him in the face and telling him you should quit. I am the greatest. You don't deserve to win. I deserve it. I, I mean, it's things like that like are frightening. And I don't see any reason why after this fight, Khabib is haunting Justin Gagey's dreams just like he haunts every other fighter's dreams that he's fought over the course of his career. And it's funny Khabib, because if I remember correctly when he was saying that, it, he didn't sound particularly like angry. It was more like, hey, no. like, bud, hey. That's, um, that's the scary part like- <laughs> It's that absolute confidence of saying you should just quit, save yourself. I'm going to, I'm going to keep beating you and beating you and beating you. All you have to do is quit. <laughs> like that's frightening. That's scary yeah. shit. That's scary. And I shit. think, like from from everything that I've seen about him in in pressers, like absent the Connor bullshit, which I just I can't really I can't even fault him for. Like if someone came after my family that way, I. Oof. I don't. It's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, but to talk I, about Gagey for a second. Uh, yeah. You know, no. Like, but, but real yeah. quick, just before I yeah. I want to just be because you know a a a a great coach and and father has passed away. Uh, Abdulmanap Nurmagomedov has clearly, like, I don't even know if this was his intention, but he's cemented his own place right. in the history of MMA as one of the greatest maybe coaches of all time, simply because of how dominant his son has been well if you look at all those dagestanian freaking teammates of his they're like they're, they're taking over they're, man they're, like just, they're, 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 over. they're a special breed of spartans it's insane yeah yeah okay but but on to gagey yeah no so gagey you know not to take it in the way and then again gagey uh, the the bet i think the money line is minus 270 i think that's a pretty good bet i think it's worth the bet i think it's a sucker bet myself but the odds are there if you get on it now it could help you out um I mean, he's he's obviously he's got cinder blocks for hands. He hits super hard, and he can eat a punch like nobody's business. He he just comes forward like the Terminator, and his wrestling is going to be top level. And it seems to me that his cardio could possibly withstand a Khabib fight. And I think that's going to be the big determining factor if Gagey can withstand the relentless pressure. That Khabib is going to bring at him, and or you know, catch him and clip him with one of those big punches, which is totally possible. 
But yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I just, I don't, I see all these things on paper. I see what people are excited about when they think about, when they think about Gagey. I think about what he did to Ferguson. I think Styles make fight in that fight. I think Ferguson was just, that's the way I think Gagey was designed to beat Ferguson. I don't think Gagey is designed to beat Khabib. And I think Khabib just, again, does to him the same thing he does to every other fighter he's ever fought with, take him down, grind his life away, beat the shit out of him, and maybe even catch him in a submission before it's all done or just pound him into oblivion like he does everybody else. I think what's crazy is that what what made everybody, and I think you're absolutely right, Styles do more often than not make fights. I, I think what interested people about Tony was his last major like the the first time he won the interim title against Kevin Lee, it was off his back. It was with the triangle, and yeah. so a lot for a lot of people, they looked at that and went, "Oh, this is a guy like even if he's not in a dominant position on the ground, he's still dangerous." You know, because you know we see fewer triangles in the UFC. I I think you know, or maybe I'm just falling asleep at the yeah, wheel. He, I mean, yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, I don't think he <laughs> him winning by submission over Khabib. That's there's some long ons on that. No, but it, but the people's looked at that and was like, okay, this is great. Like we have a right. guy who he's got he's gonna get taken down because it's Khabib. But yep. maybe he works off his back, and people aren't seeing that with with uh, Gaethje. No, yeah, where... you're talking about Ferguson, of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, so, and yeah, he's got that good dar choke. Yeah, the Ferguson Khabib fight is much more interesting, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Ferguson, you're right. He works off his back well. He's going to be sneaky, sneaky and tricky. But, dude, like, Khabib is a special kind of monster. Like, he, he, watching him when he gets in bad positions in submission, you forget he's also a world champion or, you know, a world-class Sambo practitioner himself. You don't think much about his submission game. But his ability to escape submissions from the guard is one some of the best I've ever seen. Like he just has that explosive nature to barrel his way out of it. We'll see. Uh, long story short, I don't think unless if he loses this fight, we may see a Ferguson Khabib match. Probably not. I think Khabib retires. He doesn't give a shit. He made enough money. Um, if he wins, you're never going to see Ferguson Khabib. Yeah, will no, never happen. It's just and it's I think that done. you know that's all. That's all well and good. You know, good, well good on good. Uh, these. Best of luck to both of them. These are yeah. two, like, not just amazing fighters, but you know, standout human beings. Like, they're they're very, they're very chill and like pressers, and they're not looking to go dark places. You know, we're just we're gonna get a really solid fight, and I really appreciate that. And uh, I know we got to wrap up soon. Yeah. But one real quick thing on a personal note, I wanted to give a shout out to good friend and teammate of mine, Gabby Etzel, who is gonna rock the fight to win stage this weekend at uh, fight to win 155 in philadelphia uh best of luck gabby hopefully uh you're too tired afterwards to beat the shit out of me like mm -hmm. you usually do because she is terrifying go get, go get it gabby hell yeah gabby be, and then beat kevin up when you get done no don't do that <laughs> do, do it right, for me yeah we're, we're we're wrapping up, man. You got anything else? Did I forget anything? No, nah, man. You know, I'm super excited about this fight this weekend. Go check it out, man. Go uh, go buy a copy of that closed guard, open closed guard, Robert Drysdale. Exactly, amazing. yes. We will be Great talking book. about it in more depth uh, at a later date, but as, as someone who's finished the book, it's incredible. If you like jujitsu uh, history, it's amazing. It peels back a lot of doors but in the lead up to the even bigger documentary that will be coming yeah. out. But this right. is a great behind the scenes look at how a movie like this gets made. It gives a lot of details ahead of the movie. It's really a good palette, uh, uh, something to wet the palette in the, in preparation because it, it is, it does not pull punches the book no. anyway, from what goes I right, like goes right after it just goes right after a lot of stuff. So a yeah. uh, link to that will be in the bio, but in the meantime, I have been your host, Kevin Bradley, for another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. Thanks to my uh, intrepid co-host, Kevin Gallagher, for joining me and not making fun of my mustache the entire intrepid. time. Intrepid. You know, <laughs> 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 All right. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's it. Enjoy the fights this weekend. But otherwise, stay safe, stay healthy, and protect your neck because it's crazy out there. Good night.